in my situation, there was not a dad or mom success tool in the NICU. And that really bothered me because this situation needs it more than any I've ever heard of. There's so much data coming off the baby. I mean, first of all, a micro preemie, everything's wrong, right? There's nothing that's operating at the way it should be because they're just too early. How do I actually understand it well enough to make a decision? Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and co-host of the show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I'm Sam. I'm a flight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. Today we are talking off the clock with Phil Marty. He's founder and CEO of Nicolette, the Nico board. Mm -hmm. This is so cool. This is a really cool story. Um, Not only was he a NICU dad but he's also an entrepreneur. And this is just something that I think it's so innovative. And I don't know how there hasn't been one of these before this. Um, okay, so before we get into it, we're actually, um, we're just gonna tell you guys up top. So we're rejudging. We're rejudging. Okay. You gotta debrief. You gotta reflect. Right. We're coming up on the end of the year. Dude, we're almost at one year. Yes. Of me being co-host. This is crazy. Like we've survived. Okay, they say the first year of marriage is the toughest. <laughs> we'll save this. We're gonna we're gonna do a recap episode. We'll do, save that. Yes, yes. Anyways, it is coming up on one year. Mm-hmm. And we just wanna be better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Sam and I have been doing a lot of um just kind of reflecting together and we wanna rejudge the beginning segment a little bit. It's gone through a metamorphosis. For sure. So yeah since how we started but we're, we're looking to really make the bonus episodes more like mimosa post shift mimosa vibes yes yeah so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take all of our fun banter our tips our wrecks our obsessions all the things that we just my like crazy rants talk. yeah the crazy rants and we're gonna shift them to friday on the bonus episode and we're going to leave unpopular opinion of the week. We'll still give you guys, you know, your morning little segment. But we really want to shift all that to the bonus because that's just so much fun. And we feel like it just we just want to rejuge. We love a zhuzh. We're here. What does zhuzh even mean? How do you spell zhuzh? <laughs> it's like a spelling bee. Use, spell zhuzh. Please use, use it in a sentence. In a sentence. <laughs> we would like to rejuge our life. I would definitely not spell it correctly. Let's just say it that way. It's not even a real word, right? I don't know. Zhuzh. It's more of like a It's a thing. feeling. It's, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Caught a vibe. <laughs> I love that Okay, song. wait. Before we get into it, though, um, Samantha, you have a new car. You guys, I do not have to get towed on the way home from the South Bay anymore <laughs> to Orange County. We're so here for I it. I have a working car. You do. Okay. You want to talk about dealership? experience oh, let's get into you want a minute it. okay okay this is the shit that we are now this is the last time you're getting this on our full episode tuesdays because all of this type of stuff is gonna shift over to fridays yeah. so you're either gonna be excited about that or you're gonna be like oh, sad make, i don't know fridays will be more fun you know you're just, i love a, a freaky friday we love freaky. <laughs> so <laughs> okay car dealership i went on my own no man mm. didn't bring my dad mm. didn't even bring a friend as backup just me and the Lord <laughs> walked into that dealership. Okay. So 
I think they assumed, because I had kind of called ahead to see, do you have this one car that's on your, I don't want to go down there if you don't have the car I want. Right. So they knew I wanted to look at this specific car. I, do, I got an Acura RDX, by the way. The mm. A-spec version. That was a highly requested one Ooh. over on your, Ooh. on your, It is, yeah. um, it is such MILF energy. It is. I look like a MILF with no kids. I look like I rolled up to pick my kids up from soccer and that the single soccer dads are like, oh, damn, <laughs> that's the energy I wanted. And I feel very accomplished. I love this for you so they assigned me the little salesman mm-hmm. he had been working there two months oh god like we, i yeah he virgin, had braces virgin he had braces oh. he started that job as a boy and left as a man when i was done with him <laughs> <laughs> that is how much Queen. i fucking worked him <laughs> i was gonna say you gave him the full the i full gave workover. him the full like yeah. mommy makeover yeah, you know okay i was there seven hours insane seven hours at the dealership from 9 30 a.m to 4 30 p.m mm. i ended up in the manager's office and not because i was being a karen it wasn't like a, can i speak to your manager it's because i stood my ground so hardcore that every time i was like all right well i'm just gonna leave and go to this other dealership there's like two other local ish ones mm-hmm. and every time it would be like oh suddenly the offer got a little better mm. uh, somehow they magically raised the price of my trade-in Oh. I'm like, oh, my trade-in is worth $1,000 more than it was when I walked in here four hours ago. Okay. It's weird how you just came up with $1,000 out of thin air for my trade-in thing. value. Yeah, it's it's all a fucking game. Yeah. And I played it. And I don't think they were ready. I don't think they were prepared. I think they saw me as an easy target. For sure. Girl, no man with her, doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. They like they, I'm an easy workover because I feel like I just don't have. I that normally am me. though. Like I've never done this. I know, I've I'm, never I'm, bought a car on my own in my life. It was great. I love this. So I think they thought they would work me over, and then I just and then once I got into it, I was like, oh, this is like a mental mind fuck. So now I was honestly, I made the guy after I'd been there four hours. I was like, I'm starving. Like, do you have food? And he's like, What do you want? And I was like, I need something because you guys are exhausting and you're making me hangry. <laughs> And so he walked me over to the vending machine, got his wallet out, and he's like, what do you want? And I was like, Cool Ranch Doritos. And he bought me Doritos out of his own pocket because I was just, like, giving Uh, them the most. And one of them, I was like, I know you're lying to me. Like, look me in the eyes. Like, look at me and tell me that I'm wrong. And I was like, yeah, I know. called out. Yeah. I I was a bad bitch. I don't think they were ready for me. I I shocked myself, though. I didn't think I had it in me. I'm like kind of a big wuss. Like I talk a big game, but in real life, I'm like actually kind of a wuss. No, but I think I feel like this is the energy I would need. I would for sure need because I I'm once I was in it, though, I was like, I'm kind of having fun fucking with these guys. But I ended up in the manager's (laughs) office like finally. But now I walked away with um, my brand new baby. Yeah. Okay. so do we have a name is the real question. We do. So, okay, all my cars in the past have been males. I had my first car was a Ford Mustang was Chad. When I was 16, silver Mustang and Chad, it was perfect. And then um, my Honda Civic was Julio. Okay. And then um, my last. Was it Acura? I didn't even name him because I I just like felt like I don't know if anything was like a Todd. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. he's kind of like a very Todd vibes. But I've always had male cars, and I was like, no. Now that I'm like, this is milf energy. I need like a really strong like bad bitch name. And Mm -hmm. I asked some people on Instagram. I was like, help me. Someone came up with the best. Okay, Stacy. My car is Stacy. Why? Initially, I was like, Stacy's mom. And exactly. Why? Because my car is my baby. That is Stacy. I am Stacy's mom. 
I've got it going on. You're a selfie mom too. So I'm a selfie mom. I'm a milf with no we real physical kids, but yeah. that I'm Stacy. That the car is Stacy because I'm literally Stacy's mom, and I love that for me. <laughs> so so me and Stacy hitting the block, skirt well, skirt. If you, you see us out, yeah. say what's up. <laughs> Terrorizing the streets of Los just Angeles with a great like set of sunnies. And oh my god, yeah, I was already and, just like okay, yeah. Ray Bans like mm-hmm. titties up, just yes. like I need a tan, fake For tan. Sure. I am so ready to Resting milf out in that car. Yeah, sure. honestly, I I can't stop like pretend. I can't keep pretending that I'm 25. I mean, I'm why not. not? I'm okay. not. I don't want. I love this energy for you. So it's like if I'm gonna be, I'm, but you want to. Okay, I'm okay I see what you're saying. You want to grow into like the mil, the hot milk. So if I'm gonna have to, like, I can't. I Low can't key. be turning 36 and act pretending like I'm 25. Like I have to just embrace it. So I'm gonna embrace it by getting this milf mobile yeah. and just living my best middle aged. I actually milf personally life. feel like that's the best age, right? It's like the milf age is so hot. I, I'm a, I am obsessed with women who are so in their moment and just I'm like in the wearing moment. it and I love this for you. Botox, MILF car, yes. everything. Honestly, and I get hit on by more people in my 20s than I, I do in my 30s. I was going to say, yeah, you're attracting the Jesus, definitely it's wild. younger. We could do a whole bonus younger episode. Bracket. We <laughs> could do a whole bonus episode on the age brackets of my dating life, but Jesus, Louisa's. Well, you had a better week than I did. That's for sure. Yeah. So what's going on? Oh, so I had my last week. I I essentially was at the hospital like almost every day last week, which is way too much. Sam and I have talked about this. Like we just, I am just, I need a little break, a little mental break. And as we're recording this, I'm going into work tonight and tomorrow night. It's official. I am back. This is your first night shift. shift. Yeah. Dude. It's happening. Did you, what did you, what was your, did you sleep in today? So yeah. So I slept in as long as I could, which unfortunately wasn't that long because yesterday, last, this last week I was up so early every single day. Typically I like to sleep in for as long as I can. My goal would be like at least 11. Uh, today was more like nine, nine o'clock. So I'm going to be rocking a whole lot of, but I, but I was, but I did a lot of very low energy stuff today. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't do Mm -hmm. a lot, which you know, preparing mm-hmm. for going in is good. So got my lunch already. You know, we're all prepped. We're ready to go. I got my okay. cold brew here. Okay. Thanks to Sam. I have my Yeti, my lovely Yeti and my cold brew. Yeah. And our selfie sticker, of course. Yeah. Night shift. It's, right. it's coming in hot, baby. God bless. Yeah. You did a night shift this last week, too. I did it last night. I slept four hours today. Yeah. I have this much energy right now because I'm so hopped up on cold brew that I'm just <laughs> like, plus, okay, where I work, they upped the bonuses mm. to – it's basically $500 extra if you pick up a shift. Yeah. They made a new bonus structure for weekends. So the weekend bonus, if you pick up a Friday, Saturday oh. night, it's seven fifty. Oh, Fucking my a. God. How could I not? Yeah, of course. You got I go. did not want to. I actually had plans last night that I had to flake on. I was like, look, mm. we cool. It's worth it. But are we seven fifty cool? <laughs> How cool are we? We're not that cool. No one's that cool. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes the money is worth it. I want to go on vacation. Yeah. So I was just like, we just got goals. Suck it up. Yeah. I want a birthday vacay. Yeah. So it's just, worth it. yeah, that was hard to say no to. And I knew that we were going to meet today and I was like, I'm going to be tired. I only I slept four hours, but that's so on brand for me anyway. So we're fucking. <laughs> is there days. anything new here? I just spilled cold brew on I myself. I am not a sucker for, I am not someone that can survive on that kind of sleep like I am definitely someone that has to have sleep 
or I start getting like loopy. I start losing my taste buds. I start getting weird. Dude, shit. I wish I lost my taste buds <laughs> and I wouldn't have been eating at work all night. Yeah. We're going to do a full recap episode for that upcoming. Um, and obviously Friday, you guys, we have so many. We actually have so many things to talk about on Friday. So we're really excited about it. Get pumped. Uh, bonus episodes are going to be fantabulous. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts on kind of our new bonus episode style of kind of shifting yeah, all this, this fun. I don't know. I just want it to feel like you're at post shift mimosas with us. We're, yeah. we're just doing it. We're really excited about our zhuzh. So. Zhuzh. <laughs> okay. Unpopular opinion of the week. Get the expensive car. Okay. <laughs> I'm someone, <laughs> I know I've talked about the new car a lot, but it's a big deal in my life because I was driving in 2010. Mm-hmm. So I, was always one of those mindsets of like buy the used car, be fiscally responsible. And eh, fucking YOLO, you Whatever. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't take all my money to the grave. No, here's the thing. I really think that we preach a lot about get your 401k going, yeah. get other and savings, invest, get stocks, like spread your money around, be smart, set yourself up for success later. You want to eventually live off of your own like assets later mm-hmm. and not be dependent on your little hourly healthcare job yeah for sure but sometimes when you just work really fucking hard yeah you deserve nice things yeah and there was a 2020 with 14,000 miles on it that I could have bought used Mm -hmm. and I could have bought the new one and then for me it also depends on how what what kind of car person are you for me I drove my last car till it had 193,000 miles on it and had to be towed off the side of the road Mm -hmm. so whether I bought it used or brand new I was still going to drive it until it hit 193,000 miles and had to get towed off the side of the road. <laughs> so for this time around, I'm like, if I'm going to drive my car till the bitter end yeah. and run it into the ground, I might as well get to enjoy it Well, and new. I think also, you know, when you're driving as much as we do, yeah. like, I just want to enjoy my car. And Me maybe too. that's like I, I think I spent so much time in it. It's yes. like, yes. I got to like it now I love it it was the that was the first big purchase for me was was my little car and I love her she's my little c250 my little Mercedes Mm -hmm. I did buy her slightly used but I decided to go with her rather than something else just because I was like you know what this is gonna be my one thing that I just really really I really enjoy cars I I low-key like I love cars cars are just I I don't know I'm I'm here for them but I just think you know, life's short. Also, don't take financial and, advice from Tori and I. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, I swear to God, the best thing you can do is get your retirement shit on point. Yeah. Invest your money mm-hmm. every month. Save you money. You know your but, limits, right? Like, you know when it's a little too much, like, obviously, but, you know, get the damn car. Honestly, I don't regret buying a brand new car versus buying the used one. I best. I'm so happy. Yeah. So sometimes you got to just... Choose your, pick your poison. Yeah. Right? It's like a pick your poison. I got my car. I loved, mine was slightly used. Here's the thing I though. I also, her. I don't own one designer bag. I don't buy jewelry. Yeah, I don't buy good, designer good bags. Point. I don't like, yeah. I don't Like where choose. you spend your money, right? You I don't choose. even spend jeans. I don't own a pair of designer jeans even. Mm-hmm. All my jeans are $25 from Target. Yeah. Why? Because they're all going to get stretchy and rip anyways because mm-hmm. of these damn thighs. <laughs> so it's like. Pick your poison. If you yeah. are someone that's like you, there's no offense if you're our label whore. That's good for you. But yeah. like, that's not our thing. figure out where where it is worth it. For me, having a brand new car, 
felt worth it. But again, I also don't spend a lot of money on other stuff that some people do. So right, eh. right. plus Apple CarPlay with Taylor's version of Red. Oh, oh my God. We're, we're saving that for I Friday. Know. We're I'm saving that for Friday. Tune in. <laughs> we, we got things to we say. We got lots to talk about on Friday. All right. Well, let's get into it with our guest of the week. We have Phil Marty. He founded Nicolette. It's based on his experience with premature twins that were born in 2014 fighting acute health battles to be their own competent advocates. Prior to founding Nicolette, he was VP of operations at Canon's business process services division. And the whole goal here is really parent empowerment and provider partnership. So the way that NucoBoard is used is it's basically you can view updates and insights about the baby's health. You can receive curated education specific to the baby. You know, we get into a lot about the actual product and just the overall thing here today is we're just so excited to bring Phil on because he really turns the situation and you're going to hear a little bit about the story and the background of how this all started but a really really it started in a really dark place and he is creating something that is truly going to empower so many other parents we are so excited to bring Phil on today you guys so without further ado let's dive into the show Okay, so let's pop it off with our favorite question to ask our guests. What is your unpopular opinion? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, it's getting more popular, but it's that uh, for patients in healthcare, since I'm in healthcare now, and that's sort of my passion in life, uh, that they should be given credit as a team member when it comes to their own care. And um, I've heard other people who disagree with me say, well, wait, you wouldn't let the passengers fly the plane. Right. And I'm like, well, that's not it's a little different. That's, yeah. that's a different a different scenario. You know, I, I kind of think of it. If you are going to use the plane analogy, um, passengers are informed about a lot of things. And that's why they feel comfortable taking the flight with pilots and uh, uh, the, the attendants. Mm-hmm. Um, if they didn't have any of the information, like the altitude or where they were going or, or any of that, they wouldn't get on. Um, and then also there is uh, a lot to be said for like the difference in safety and, and different areas, you know, safety is a huge concern in healthcare. It's not a good track record that we have in the United States. Uh, you're not pl- wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. If, if planes crashed at the same rate, no one would ever fly. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, give patients more data. Don't be scared of it. Let them be on your team. I love that because also <laughs> it goes to even say like, you choose your care team. Like if you're using the flight analogy, like I'm not going to book Spirit Airlines <laughs> for a reason. Just saying, because I'm going to put my trust in a team that will like, go more American or United. Yeah. You know, a little, little Delta more, action. Yeah. Jet blue. <laughs> Virgin. <laughs> okay. So I am really curious about this because we love Nikki dad energy here at the selfie show. But I am really curious about this. Do you think anyone could have prepared you for the NICU? I don't think so. Unless it was like me now going back in time and saying very specific things to myself. When we, you know, we, we were pregnant with twins with a gestational carrier. Since we were having twins, we were warned somewhere along the line, you know, maybe at four months, like this is a high risk pregnancy. You need to go check out NICUs. And that sentence disturbed me. Like I couldn't imagine staying one day in a NICU. Um, I'd been in a hospital maybe once in my life up until that point. So I'm just, in, in those days, I'm just not prepared in any way. Um, having said that, as we, as the NICU became a reality and we knew like, okay, there, 
we're going to deliver like in a few days where they were born um the the neo came out and gave us like a laundry list of issues that we should expect to have to battle and and maybe we would succumb to the babies would and it was a brutal experience to hear him say all these things very forcefully and that didn't prepare me so i can't imagine a real life scenario where i could have truly been prepared it's like you know what can you say to someone mm-hmm. with your mouth that would allow you know enable them to just to be better not much you kind of have to live it and get better uh it's like a hunger games experiment or something i mean you know to totally. survive it you've got to use all kinds of skills that you're coming in with but you're just not going to be prepared i don't think nikki's such an interesting piece of the world because it's funny because Sam and I have talked about this a lot where we feel very strongly much to your analogy of you don't get on a plane without you know your what to do in case of emergency and I'm always very pro informing parents about the what ifs right like okay knowing do you have a NICU are you at a level three NICU where you're giving birth but then there's that element of how much information is too much information and how much you actually going to absorb and like is this information you're going to actually need so it's interesting because you're kind of right it's almost like hunger game status when you're going through it you just kind of like put your head down and and do it i'm sure yeah if you spend your best efforts trying to learn and be prepared you often will have too much information as well right mm-hmm. you know like um the, the internet is a good example of too much information if you go look it up but then also even when you're face to face like the physician i was mentioning that was trying to prepare us he said way too much because out of all of the th- things you can be warned about, you know, you're facing some subset of that. And that's also just the medical part. You know, when you're asked to make decisions as a parent in the NICU, which you're ill-prepared to do, the medical part is just one piece of it. You know, it's like your own ability to sort of have confidence in yourself to choose something in a pretty narrow window of time is important and uh, was not there for me. I mean, I'll just admit, I mean, a lot of my decision-making was fear-based. If that's the one thing I could change, it would be like my ability to make decisions would be less based on fear and more based on knowledge and empowerment. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, you know, uh, how do you do that in a prep way? I mean, it's such a scary situation. There's a fine line of knowing too much, too, because I think like Tori and I don't have children, but we know way (laughs) too much. And the idea of even ever like, being pregnant terrifies me just for that reason because I'm like I just think about all the what ifs that could happen and I feel like sometimes you don't like I don't know that clouds your like experience too and then it's like too much but then you want it I don't know that's I can't imagine being in your shoes or even just all the parents that Tori and I have interacted and cared with and we're so close with so many of them but it's hard to even kind of wrap your brain around what you guys experience on that end yeah Yeah. Uh, actually the same is true for me like looking back at it it's hard for me to understand how that's survivable to witness when you're in it though you have no choice it's kind of like when you're in it you have to wake up and do 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 and now it's like that's why they kind of do talk about the NICU like PTSD after the fact because you're just getting through each day and now you're looking back at it like how did I even manage yeah, there's a little bit of a, like a blackout thing, I think, that happens where you've 
you're doing things that you're not consciously even yeah. really aware that you're capable of. And when you're on the other side of it, if someone goes, hey, how'd you survive that? You can't answer it. You go, <laughs> you're like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm kind of scared to think about it too much. Yeah. Uh, Let's not go back there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you had no choice. Yeah. Right. Right. You, you did what you had to do. Well, what I think time. is is really cool and why we want to bring you on here today is is because of what you did because of it. And I think this is this is such an amazing story and the things that you've done because of everything you went through. Um, but so for people who don't know you, we all we want to hear your background. Like, let's hear a little bit about yourself, where you grow up, like a little bit about before all of this happened. Yeah. So before having kids, uh, which was at the tail end of 2014, December 2014, um, kind of just a normal guy. I spent 15 years at Canon as uh, an outsourcing executive. So I was the VP of their operations and ran their outsourcing division. Hadn't, like I mentioned, been in a hospital, was definitely not in the healthcare space at all. So quite naive to how things worked in healthcare. But having babies in that situation, they were 25 weekers, um, under a pound and a half. And uh, we'd had a long fertility journey too. So like s- between six and seven years like um, of trying everything, IUIs, uh, IVF, adoption, eventually gestational carrier was what did it for us and was thrust into this situation. And it's just so life-changing um, to, to be in that situation where I was, um, some ways to describe myself was like uber confident beforehand it's so humbling because now i was not felt totally lost helpless um didn't feel good about any decisions i was making especially early on shaking a lot like especially when they were born and just couldn't um believe it and to see them too just blew me away like a baby that's small and fragile and like translucent skin that looks kind of wet and under a billy light with i don't know what you like a weird day spa sort of eye covering <laughs> And then the beanie on top. So what are you even looking at at that point, right? Because it's, I think it's a baby, but it's... And then there's IVs and wires and yeah. all the... It's like a magical creature or something that... Um, and... Our little gremlins. I yeah. love... I, <laughs> my heart for micropremies is like, that will forever be my favorite population of just specifically NICU babies. I I love them. They're, but they are. They're so fragile and... Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, the, you kind of want to interact, but it's scary to interact with yeah, touch totally. or whatever. In in my career up to that point, we served customers um, with customer success tools. So in other words, you buy a service from us. We give you technology that helps you be successful with the, what we're selling you. Um, most industries do this. Like it's the biggest way to continue to grow and retain your customers is to invest in them. Don't make them pay for more stuff. Just give them more and more things that make it easy to use your service and make good decisions and expand, blah, blah, blah. But I quickly realized in my situation, there was not a dad or mom success tool in the NICU. And that really bothered me because this situation needs it more than any I've ever heard Mm -hmm. of. There's so much data coming off the babies. I mean, first of all, a micro preemie, Everything's wrong, right? There's nothing that's operating at the way it should be because they're just too early. So you've, it's not like one disease. You've mm-hmm. got to worry about brain, respiratory, heart, et cetera, at a minimum. So um, how do I even use that? Well, I couldn't. And then to be educated on you know things like PDA, brain bleeds, 
respiratory distress, etc., infections. These are I'm naming all things that they both all had had, um, and it's kind of a normal thing for ELBW, right? Um, how do I actually understand it well enough to make a decision in those days, like on PDA? Should we treat it with indocin or a ligation? Yeah, that's the mad, that's always the the NICU bane of our existence to treat or not to treat. That is the question. It's yeah. always the PDA. Well, and providers don't always agree. Yes, too. They don't on what they want yep. to do or what mm-hmm. they think is the best course. I just thought, you know, in those, it, like in that in that example, if you're going to ask me as the dad to make the decision. It would be nice to have tools that help me quickly and rapidly be educated mm-hmm. and have the data necessary, you know, like how big is the opening, how much blood flowing through it, what are the outcomes that are possible um, if we leave it alone versus medicate versus ligation. But it was really just, here's how medicine works, here's how ligation works, what do you want to do? Fear was my decision guide, remember? Like mm-hmm. it was my guiding spirit animal fear. So, um I was like, well, surgery sounds scary, so let's do medicine. Afterwards, I realized, like, well, Indocin, like, works half the time, and uh, it's actually got a really high side effect risk of intestinal perforation. and Mm -hmm. All things you have to think about. And ligation is actually not that big of a deal. It's not even real heart surgery. It's like a 15-minute procedure, and it has a higher success rate, blah, blah, blah. You know, these are things like if you, it took me 30 seconds to sort of name these other factors that I just didn't have mm-hmm. at my right. disposal. And uh, I guess the other thing I'll add is when you're in that situation, um, the anxiety level is a disability. It Absolutely. prevents you from metabolizing information like you normally would. So you become like a terrible learner, especially when it's just talking. Um, and and um, I imagine like a very difficult task for the clinicians because First of all, all parents are sort of different and they have different learning styles and some may be data oriented and some may not be and you're one of them. And how are they going to know what your learning style is? They're not. So um, it, it became a situation where I just couldn't get over how uh, we paid, well, we didn't, but through insurance, it was a $2 million like experience right, for these twins. I had $2 million customers at Canon. I'm thinking, man, they get really cool tools. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. Nikki parents should get great tools. Yeah, why shouldn't they? I mean, everything that you're saying, I think is so interesting because maybe even for, um, maybe not more so the dads, but I think that this is a very interesting point that you bring up. Is like, you want something where you feel like you have control of it in the sense of you can understand it in data and numbers and like being able to absorb that and help synthesize it and feel like you're, you are a part of the team. That's a huge piece of it that I think is really interesting that we don't, we don't give parents enough credit for that. We really don't. Yeah. I think, and that is a huge, that is everywhere. That is every NICU we don't give parents enough credit. And I think you're right. I mean, being able to hand them this tool and say, here's, you know, the synthesized information for you, everything broken down, here's resources, education. I think it's just, it's remarkable. I actually, I want to go back to this because I think this is a really poignant part of this. So the name of, of your company is Nicolette. Mm-hmm. Can we go back to the origin of the name and go and speak about your twins? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, a boy and girl, as you just uh, mentioned, uh, Nicolette London was my daughter's name. Bexley Dev uh, was my son's, is my son's name. 
Nicolette um, lived for 27 days, passed away on day 27. She had a perf. Um, they were, like I mentioned, born at a different hospital in Orange County, and then they moved uh, to Children's Orange County. Um, the day, and that was on day 27. So they were transported um, on the intake. Uh, they found the air in her gut, went into surgery. Uh, but she died in surgery because it, it ended up, it was just too far along. Like her intestines were sort of just stuck together and it was intricate. And because it spread out so far, she just couldn't stay stable throughout. So that this kind of goes back to giving credit to parents, the point you were just making. At the other hospital they were born at, it we were kind of kept at arm's length as much as possible. So not only was there not a tool for us, but it was also a culture of sort of, Right. Don't ask too much question because it's not your place to ask. And, you know, you, you're better off going home and all this. So giving parents credit, I think, has a lot to do not only with who they are, but they they do bring some value. The biggest one I can think of is they're the only person focused just on one patient, their own. So they're going to notice things that a clinician wouldn't because of the focus. With Nico, her gut looked weird to us, like on day 23. Just the shape of it, you know? like Something it, was off. Something's off. And it's not easy to articulate for a parent. I mean, we, how do you articulate a gut looking weird anyway? But um, for us, we just, hey, please check it out. At this other hospital, they did what I would call uh, box checking. Because they, they weren't concerned at the time when we raised it. We raised it. We pushed it. They pushed on the gut. Said, well, it's soft. It should be, so that's fine. They measured it and said, well, it's it's measuring what it should be, so you know, we're fine. Don't worry about it. This was one of a few things that had just bothered me to the point where I felt we, we need to move to a more um, capable uh, place. Four days later, she's in surgery for this issue that we saw. So giving credit, like I, I relate to that super personally because you know I can't, as a parent, solve the issue. My, But I can like... I can find you can raise it. The I can raise it. Yeah. yeah. And if it gets actually the attention and critical thinking that it needs, it can result in like an outcome that's better than if it hadn't. Well, and that goes to your point of why you should be considered a member of the care team. And it's actually one of the things I teach my nursing students is that who knows a child better than their parent, the nurse who's taking care of them for one shift, maybe two, maybe a couple hours because it's their first shift or the parent who's known them for 23 days, even if they're like a, you know, newborn, you've still been there all 23 days. No nurse has been there all 23 days and you noticed it and said something's off. That alone is enough that warrants further investigation because I think that parent intuition, like you, parents notice the first little minor changes, whether it's they're more irritable. I don't know why, but it's just different or something just looks off and that being ignored is so frustrating to me and that's the one piece and like I hope any nursing students or anyone even just that isn't working in healthcare yet listening to this remembers this story going into it that that is why you are part of the care team because no one knows your child better than the parents bottom line I don't care if you're the primary nurse I don't care who you are like no one knows them better than their own parents and that like your guys' assessment is so valuable. And if you also, like you said, kind of had other tools to go along with your just kind of gut intuition or feeling, that would be invaluable as well. 
Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this too, something that I've learned um, over the years of being a nurse. One of the best things that I like to do when I come on and I'm meeting a parent for the first time is saying, well, you know, we'll start the rapport. And then one of my first questions is, well, how is, how is he or she compared to yesterday? Like what, you know, as far as eating and, you know, what do you think this looks like? Like, I love asking Is this that normal? Question. Is this like their normal? Yeah. I love that because mm-hmm. I think that puts the power one back with the parents, but also it gives you a lot of insight. Like parents have said things to me where I'm like, oh, yeah, that is interesting. Or, you know, because sometimes even a report, you get things as a nurse, just very honestly, like you'll get things and you'll be like, well, that wasn't right. You yeah. know, or that wasn't, you know, whatever, not to throw people under the bus, but that does happen. And then you get it from a parent. And you're like, oh, yeah, like this makes sense. And I think we just don't give enough credit. And it is interesting because exactly what you're saying, Phil, and I want to go into a little bit about your NICU experience is how different it is from unit to unit. And that's not just NICU setting. That's every kind of setting you're going to go. One culture, I'm sure, was one way. And then your other culture was the other way. I kind of want to hear a little bit about your NICU experiences, like best worst. Oh, yeah. Let's hear, you know, kind of let's go there a little bit. All right. Pregnant? Expecting? (laughs) Are you expecting? No. I'm not yet. But there might be someone in here who is. Not me. Jesus. Whoa. (laughs) Chill, bro. Not me. No. But you guys know this is obviously a huge resource for you. Mommy Labor Nurse, her birth courses. So this is online birthing classes and resources for pregnancy and birth where you can gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and also rock the newborn days like a boss, obviously. So check this out. She has three classes. She has a birth class that has a natural focus, an epidural focus, and a C-section focus. So really covering all the bases. This is such a great gift for baby showers too. So even if it's not something that you are ready to use like me personally, but I love this as a baby shower gift. Oh, for sure. Knowledge is power, right? So the way that you do it is you choose the class and then you get educated and then you have a better birth. So you guys, if you head over to mommylabornurse.com and use code SELFIE10, you're going to get 10% off of all courses. That does exclude the all-exclusive pass, but when you guys head over to mommylabornurse.com, use code SELFIE10 and get 10% off all of your courses. Happy birthing! All right, I just did night shift last night. I got day shift coming up this week. You're about to head into night shift. I am. We need beam in our lives. Yes, you guys know that Beam creates supplements for better balance, energy, recovery, and sleep. This is literally our most favorite product and partner. We're so glad to be partnered with them. And guess what? They have a new limited edition flavor. It is white chocolate peppermint dream. It is freaking delicious. And not only that, Beam is having their biggest sale ever on the entire site. So this is their holiday sale. It's running November 8th through December 10th. This is the biggest sale ever. They never do this. So definitely jump on this sale. If you guys head over to the link in our bio or the link in our show notes, you guys can click on that and save 40% off the first three months of a subscription, which is crazy. Like they never do this. We are absolutely Dude, obsessed. Dude, that's huge. Huge. Plus that like limited edition. Win- yeah. The that flavor. is such a winter vibe. Oh my gosh. It's delicious. And we did it with almond milk. Oh my God. And I swear we are out 20 minutes. We want to hit the pillow. Right Night. 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 We love, we love some sweet dreams. And make sure you guys click the link in our bio or show notes. That is the best way to support our show and our partner as well. So get those dreams on. 
Yeah. Well, the worst feeling clearly is, is the hospital airborne, which is a community level three and being kept at the arm's length. Um, I mean, that's that's absolutely the worst pit of your stomach feeling. Like you're not just feeling it stress in the brain, but like your body physically can't handle uh, being kept at arm's length because you're allowed to sort of see what's going on, which none of it is pleasing or good. And uh, you, you're struggling so much to understand that's sort of like you're drowning and someone's keeping you in the water, but just, just like enough. right there. Yeah. The culture shift when we moved was amazing. So whereas like we couldn't visit the NICU at the level three during shift change, now we could be in the shift change and participate. That's a huge, yeah. that's a, that's 180 degrees. No question that we asked was ever met with like derision or resistance. The best and worst to me are sort of the same thing, like being included versus not. It makes all of the difference in the world. The facility or I'm trying to think of like other things like the the um, none of that really matters uh, anywhere near as much as inclusion, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The culture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's right. So if the culture is exclusive, you know, it, it, it pervades everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like it's the nursing culture, it's the physician culture, it's, it's everybody. And the opposite is true. I mean, I think you can't, there's never, I haven't seen a mix like in any of the environments, like it's either pretty strong mm -hmm. uh, or it's weak. Well, cause now you visit a lot of yeah. NICUs across. Yeah. yeah. The most impressive thing I've seen is a parent council that includes current and former parents. I love that. Oh, I love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Most councils, uh, there's more and more of them, which is awesome. Uh, but most of them are just former. Right. And, yeah. That's the model usually. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been to a couple now where, I mean, the, the parents who are currently in the NICU, I mean, they're much quieter, which you mm -hmm. would expect, I guess. But, you you know, when you include them in and sort of, a, sort, I guess, expose them to mm -hmm. wiser folks who've been through it and can look back and that seems healthy. And then you also... I think when you have some distance, you know, your your memory of things is less accurate, either in a good or bad way. And when it's that raw sort of parent right there, mm -hmm. they might be quiet until like you hit on something that they really are struggling with. And then you're getting like outpour. Yeah. Yeah. And it may not. It's never like that articulate as far as I've seen. And again, I, I don't think that matters. Like you if you if you're really listening, like pull out the nuggets and then I think you can make some big changes. What's the funniest thing a nurse ever told you? <laughs> uh, so there were, the nurses um, are like the biggest, as you know, um, interface point for the families. Like I would say 90% of the interface. So uh, there were a lot of funny experiences because um, you get to know. I mean, you become sort of a family, I guess. Uh, and and so, yeah, there was, there was a nurse named Chuck. That was very, there are a few things that caught me off guard in a funny way. Um, I remember the first time that I, that I met him, um, I normally would come in and say, how's, how's he doing? And the first thing Chuck said to me was like, your baby's pissed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it I love nurse energy like that. Can we uh -huh. talk about that? Like masculine nurse energy in the NICU is my favorite thing. Cause it's just like, they're straight to the point. When I love when it's we talk funny. about babies, like humans and not like babies, yeah. like, yeah. like, oh, the ba your baby's crying. Like, no, 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 no your no. baby is pissed. Being an asshole. <laughs> like, your baby is mad. <laughs> Yeah. It is. It's true, though. But you know what's funny? I think that we don't give that enough credit to our littles, our, our tiny preemies, because they all have personalities. And yeah. you pick up on that so quick. 
Like you, you don't realize how much you can pick up on their energy and their personalities like almost immediately. I'm sure between your twins, you can yeah. see a very big difference. Huge difference. I mean, Bex was, well, Bex was healthier than Nico, I think is one thing. So like in the early days, he slept all the time and she was awake a lot and she was a feeler and would, mm. I was amazed that a, a baby that small could be so interested in like what's going on. And so, I, you know, I mean, they can't see very well. So um, she's like almost well, like a blind person would feeling like mm-hmm. the nurse's arm who's giving her an ultrasound and figuring out what it is, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And Bex is, you know, hangry is the best way I can describe <laughs> it. You know, like um, to see him try to find the nipple is hilarious because he's just like a psycho, like, ah, oh, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow. A drunk just, sailor. <laughs> yeah. Settle down. You'll find it <laughs> a little easier. And yeah, he would, yeah. he would be crying and he was pissed a lot. And then to see him sort of respond in a good way to male nurse energy was also funny. Like, like I was mentioning earlier, like he liked to be kind of roughed up a little hard burps, <laughs> you know, rough housing in the bath. Yeah. Um, the bath was a good thing for him all around, even when he got in the tub. So yeah, the personality. And I mean, again, this is like a three, these stories I'm telling where he's like learning to eat. I mean, he's three pounds tops, four or something like that. Yeah, and, they don't uh, get enough credit for that too. Yeah, Like even term babies. Okay, you're born term on top of that. And you're what? Like sometimes a good seven pounds or right. something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. we're asking these little itty bitty Tiny. three pounders to like learn how. I'm like, that is a it's workout. A yeah. It's a lot of like energy and effort. The suck, swallow, breathe, like, <laughs> like right. the song you mentioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Tell us about the song really quick. It's oh, yeah. Funny. Well, my wife. So when he was learning to suck, swallow and breathe, <laughs> uh, my wife came up with a jingle to help him. With, and she just started singing it pretty loudly. Suck and swallow, suck <laughs> and swallow. Things and our, you hear in the NICU that are totally normal. <laughs> and our nurse uh, was like, all right, I'm getting in on this. And, and they both yeah. sang suck and swallow <laughs> for minutes. here we go this is how we do it yeah yeah it turned into like a true sort of karaoke experience i i didn't join in i was like well i'm gonna let this happen i guess you're Uh, like this is happening i can't stop this train (laughs) yeah it took off so i'm really curious about this because obviously from from your experience you've developed this amazing you know this new technology and i think this is going to be something that we see hopefully spreading throughout the country and it's starting to, which is really exciting. But can we get into like where Nicolette and Nico board started and like, take us back to square one. Like where did this even start? Yeah. Well, the, if I, I looked back at my own experience as I got home, Bex ended up coming home like a week after his due date. So we, we got home. I went back to my job. We tried to start feeling more normal. Uh, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. You know, like I said earlier, this seemed like a, such a glaring hole. And uh, I couldn't believe it didn't exist. Like, how do you not um, give this tool to, to parents? But it turns out it's just a big problem in healthcare. Like, Nikki parents don't have it. No patients have it. And I thought, well, I want to do something about it. I just feel like since I lived this, it's not an intellectual thing. I just lived it. So I've got, like, this experience that can actually build, I can build something out of. And I had a skill set around process improvement and and building products from Canon. So I just felt like, you know, I actually have a privilege here. Lots of parents have babies in the NICU. A lot of them have babies that don't make it out. And um, I I might be one of the only that can actually go do something to help others. So how do I not do it? I have to do it. So six months after I got home, I quit my job and uh, started the company. And there were two big things I wanted out of it. 
Like it's, I'm building what I wish I would have had, right? The, the first is rapid education. Okay, so if you tell me my baby has a PDA, I need to understand what that means like in a few minutes because you're asking me also to participate in a decision like by tomorrow. The second was data. First, making it accessible, but also making it meaningful. You know, if you, first of all, patients like interface with the EHR is minimal and what you do have doesn't mean a lot because it's kind of raw. It's just posted. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, if, if you're just a lay person who knows nothing about cars and someone's ripped off like the back panel and said, well, here you go. Here's transparency. Here's what's I don't even inside. know how to pop the yeah. hood to my car. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> they asked me like when my car broke down and I was like, uh, I don't even know. Don't have... ask me that. Well, this is why you have warning lights and gas suspicious. gauges. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so uh, the portal, like the EHR portals mm -hmm. didn't do anything either. So I wanted an interpreter, some uh, something that could take yeah. data that's raw and turn it into meaningful things like sentences that say, your baby is doing well or poor in this area, like gaining weight or eating. Um, or its nutrition is off, or there's a new update here for you that you should pay attention to, like a new drug, et cetera. If I can give that to parents through in an automated way that doesn't take up any more bandwidth from the clinicians who, you know, I, I was well aware that everyone was kind of stretched thin in that environment, then I, I think I've, I've got something that works for everybody. Like it'll be great for parents and the providers. So we started building it. I enlisted. I went to a neo uh, that I had become really close with during my stay. That's Dr. McHale. Uh, he he agreed to come on and help found the company. And then I, I we have a third founder who uh, I had worked with in my time at Canon, and, and he was at Microsoft and Amazon, and uh, knows a lot about product. The three of us started it. We started with nothing but ourselves. We built a pitch deck and started like trying to get hospitals to buy into the Kool-Aid we were making. That helped us get a little traction and confidence to uh, uh, work on a prototype. And uh, then we started testing the prototype on parents and we found a third thing that was really important. So we, we built data interpretation and we built education, but parents also just want to feel like parents mm -hmm. in the NICU. And when you're in the NICU, you don't. You've, especially in the beginning, you feel more like a patient or you're just in some weird nightmare. I mean, and the beauty of a new baby goes away. The normalcy goes away and, and they want it restored. There's a few things that they really wanted, like the ability to sort of document the journey, but then also share it with their support group. It's really hard to do that because a lot of that's like email driven. And it's also hard to share just on normal social channels because there's a lot of sensitive I mean, who do you share right. a photo of your one and a half pound baby to? Not many people in your life. Um, and so it's taboo. It's like yeah. something that people don't always want to. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, and the other thing is writing the updates. You know, I remember like two two hours before Nico died. I and she was in surgery. I felt optimistic that she would make it and be okay. And I had just fired off a laborious email. I'm bad at writing them. I, I think most parents are because. We are lay people who are under a lot of stress, and so we don't want to make it seem worse than it is. So we probably err on better than it is. Um, and then, you know, she she died two hours later, and I'm just like, you know, it's impossible to be the communicator to my support network. So we built a tool called The Diary based on parent feedback that makes it super easy to just take photos, shoot videos, write journal entries, which, you know, a journal entry can be, a sentence like I feel amazing right now I just did kangaroo care or and then an hour later you might be depressed because yeah. of something else that happened that's how fast it is in the NICU though yeah 
It really is. Yeah, it's not even a take it day by day. No, it's hour by hour. It's, I'll be there for 12 hours, and that is a roller coaster in yep. itself. 100%. So if you can just share your journal with someone, yeah. they can read what you're going through. It's totally accurate because you're feeling it in right. the moment. And so that was a parent idea that we incorporated. So now we think about the product as uh, rapid education, data transformation, and participation tools, things that help parents be more in the game because it's hard. It's not intuitive how you would interact with a baby that's that sick. Right. Those three things we built for what parents want. We still had to figure out like, how do we get it to parents? Um, and does this make sense for all the stakeholders? Uh, so we had to test with in hospital environments as well. We did, that all went well. It turns out that clinicians actually feel like this is a good thing because if parents are more prepared and they have a foundation of knowledge, that helps them save time because if you ask me a broad question like how did the baby do last night well and i'm a i mean where do i start right and this answer is going to take 30 minutes if well I, and in what area too. yeah like, right. there's <laughs> like okay well the kidneys were good but this yeah. like like well, there's not, such a loaded question yeah it's a loaded question that not to mention the fact that half the time your nurse is you know with another patient for up especially in the nicu for up to 45 minutes doing or an hour doing whatever cares. So then I just think to myself, like, okay, you can literally have access to this iPad, this app that has everything broken down. And it's just like, it's so much, this is, this is so much easier for us as clinicians. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like, oh, I'm going to like, here, here you go. Here's all the information, like bundled up into one little place for you. So day by day, I mean, obviously in the beginning, the communication is, is really valuable, like in person, but there's a I'm sure a piece of this where as a parent, when you've been there for so long, you kind of like know, you know, the ins and outs. So then having this app, I think it's just, it's genius. Well, I think that empowers families to feel like they are part of the team more mm -hmm. so too, going back to even just our original conversation, having education and access to information empowers them instead of waiting around for a doctor or nurse to tell you what their blood pressure was yep. or what their this or that exactly. was. You having access to information is is that inclusive aspect that makes a huge difference. Yeah. I'm curious because we haven't gone through this yet. Okay. Can you walk us through how Nicolette and Nico Bird works? Yeah. So it's part of the care delivery of the hospital. So hospitals buy Nico Board to provide to their parents as part of care. It's that customer success tool thing that I was mentioning with other industries where you give it as part of your service. Um, so it's inclusive, like all parents have it. There's no one who doesn't have access. They don't have to download it on their own phone because the hospital gives them the iPad. They're introduced to it during orientation. So, I mean, you know, orientation is just a normal thing that you do anyway. Um, they're typically handed a lot of paper during orientations. This yeah, be, here's your yeah, packet. Yeah, yeah, totally. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> you don't, you're not going to look in. You're going to lose or whatever. No, honestly, we have a thing that we have to chart on admission yep. education that we gave you this packet mm -hmm. that had hand hygiene, check, mm -hmm. visitor policy, yeah, yeah. check. But like, yeah. it's, come on. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a better way. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a better yeah. way. Right. And I mean, we, so this is an addition to that. This is like, the, here's Nico board. Log in this way. We make it easy to log in. It's not like a profile. It's just like the, the information on the hospital bracelet. So you've mm -hmm. always got it as a parent. You're never kind of struggling. And then from there, it's the parent's thing. You know, clinicians don't need to do anything differently. We've found that nurses and doctors do like to use it sometimes because it's a, if, if you are asked a question, it's easy to have an aid to explain yeah. something, if it's complex especially. Um, 
but it's the parents tool so it's it's a health system that is investing in the education and empowerment of its families not something where the family goes outside of the care and goes mm-hmm. and downloads it and says hey i've got this and and it becomes a, a, a fight. So our, our vision, while we're all about empowering patients and giving them more credit and all of that, we still believe like it should be as a team member to the NICU team and be complementary to how things are done. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, Sam, like there are some issues like uh, PDA in those days where clinicians don't even agree, like on the right. And that's fine. We want to fit into how you do things at your health system and help you make your parents part of the experience. What I like what you're doing is you're breaking down the education to bite-sized pieces where you're like, okay, I can grab this in a couple minutes, get the general ideas, and help to make decisions based on whatever's going on in that NICU setting, which I think is great. Because you guys offer a lot of really credible Oh, who are you guys affiliated with? Because I know you work with March of Dimes. Is that correct? There's a couple different... March of Dimes, uh, Kids Health, uh, the uh, NIH, okay, um, and, uh, and the NICU PET library as so well. So essentially you're becoming like this hub. Like yeah. it's a hub. And it's that's exactly what parents need. I think this is exactly what people need. They need to have, okay, where do I go? And how do I understand all these very complex things? Because as you mentioned, we're dealing with heart lungs, brain, eyes, gut, like there's so many different things that you're dealing with in the NICU. And you don't have just prematurity. There's also different other very complex things that we have as well. So yeah, you know, and a a NICU, there's a very long tail of distribution of of reasons why you're there. In fact, prematurity is less than 50%. So Mm -hmm. we've actually, when we started, we had about 300 diagnoses, where there was education coverage. Now there's 750 diagnoses wow that's what we've seen mm-hmm. that's new since we started and some of it was once but again like inclusivity is a big deal mm-hmm. so there's no we want parents to have equal utility so if your baby has a rare disease we still want you to get to use it mm-hmm. and to empower yourself just like someone who's got a. so what kind of data is available to parents when they log into the app so in terms of data we we take objective measures Mm -hmm. out of the HR. So not all data, but what is objective and then also the most relevant. So it's about 30 different areas that are, you can kind of break it down into vitals, which would be things uh, like uh, blood oxygen, uh, the heart rate, uh, FiO2, um, et cetera, uh, IO data, and then growth. So those are the three big categories. And that's when I say data in that text, I mean quantifiable stuff um, that we can then interpret for parents so in other words in the ehr seven days worth of weight will just be like 560 grams 580 540 and a parent's looking at that and it's kind of like looking under the hood yeah so the app takes that in and makes meaning of it and says your baby didn't gain enough weight this week i love how that brings these two worlds together but empowers parents it's to to hand them a list of here's your baby's weights all week okay is that good or bad right what does that mean what what i think is interesting is when it comes to like okay we're adding milk or we're fortifying your baby's breast milk it makes sense to them much quicker Mm -hmm. like it's just interesting because i'm like how does this apply and it's like these are things where it just empowers parents to say okay yeah this is what's happening this is why we're doing that. Or even to speak up and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Because again, and I'm not knocking any like clinicians, but sometimes 
they maybe don't even necessarily catch the whole trend and they might like be like, oh, cool, they gained weight last night. And then you as a parent might say, okay, I'm looking at the overall week though and it seems to be a little low. Is this something we're concerned about or want to address? And now you're having that discussion that might not have even happened if the parent didn't feel empowered to even bring it up or question it. Yeah. And I mean, the question piece is so important. First of all, you know, you really can't ask good questions if you don't have that foundation. Mm-hmm. Knowledge. Yeah, you can it's just like, give someone a foundation, right, right? Right, right. And it's it's also a um, a human norms thing. Like, I'm not going to ask you a question if I don't feel confident in myself that I can articulate something. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like an, a pretense or an embarrassment. Yeah. Like, um, but if I feel good about myself, I will ask it, and I'm not scared of looking silly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a big problem with parents now. Is the fear of asking a question or the lack of belief in yourself that you can contribute by asking something. But if you can ask a good question that's specific, you'll get like a really specific valuable answer back and then you can do more with it and be a bigger participant. So as a nurse, I always try to be very just break down walls and raw, like because you'd see sometimes doctor goes in, gives an update to a parent that's very kind of high level, very medical speak, scientific and then they leave and the parent was nodding and going, okay, okay. And then they leave and I look at them and I'm like, all right. Did you understand that? <laughs> what, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like what questions do you really have? Like, let's like, I'm like, going to sit down. that down? Because I feel like we need to normalize having normal speak with parents or anyone in layman, in layman's terms. Like why, you know, or. Even just asking though sometimes like, how did that, how did that conversation with the doctor make you feel? Yeah. Because. We're so focused on the science behind it, the yes or no, the decision making. But that was a lot of information to even process. Let's even talk about how how do you feel about that conversation? Because that might even bring up some questions that they maybe didn't feel comfortable discussing too. But that gets missed. So I feel like just knowledge is power. I feel like this creation is creating... It's empowering people. I'm so for it. How are you seeing like the parents as far as usage, um, like data from from that? Do you have any breakdown of how that's been going for you guys? Yeah, about uh, about 85 percent of parents use the app during their stay. So not everyone. And uh, of that, uh, around uh, just under half use it every day. That's cool. Uh, I love that. I would be upset. Amazing. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little, you know, that's it's a really good rate. It's about... I mean, four and a half times higher than like like a, a portal, like a bedside yeah. portal to an EHR. So the engagement's mm-hmm. much higher, which we expected to see, and 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 we're we're happy to see it. The um, survey results around how did it help you? There are typically three questions that hospitals will ask parents um, that are are along the lines of some that are in their satisfaction surveys now. Mm-hmm. One is, did it give you more input and say and care to use Nico Board? We're around ninety three percent yes. On I that. love wow. that. Um, did you get more consistent information because of Nico board? Consistency is kind of a problem in, in, in NICUs. And uh, we're around 90% on that. And then did it keep you more updated on changes? And that, that's like 97%. That's amazing. And so that's better than we expected as well. And our job, we really look, look at, oh, I'm sorry. And the last thing we ask them is um, ease of use. You know, so I mentioned inclusivity several times. Like it, it's, it's um, you know, most NICU parents are not like, me so i can't just design something with my team that's for phil Mm -hmm. uh wow it's just very uh diverse around people's learning styles and who they are and uh, but we've done a pretty good job there so it's about 87 percent easy 
30, 13% moderate, and no one's ever rated as difficult to use. So, so I have to I have to know this. Why hasn't there been something like this made before? Because, okay, if, if the numbers what you're telling me are true, like, okay, we're hearing this. Every single hospital should be using this. Every single hospital, and not only that, every single unit needs to be using something like this. Because here we are in a world where we're trying to, you know, a lot of our hospital satisfaction scores come from communication. And half the time, it's communication breakdown. I mean, dude, when we started nursing, though, we were still paper charting. Absolutely. Like flow sheets. (laughs) Like when I was in nursing school as a CNA, and I was still charting vital signs, plotting them, plotting a blood pressure on a paper chart. And this is in 2011. This is like... Here we are in 21... But here's the thing, like every to me. Okay, wait. So have you guys expanded into any other units or like where are you guys going with this? So we have uh, verbal agreements with, and I can't mention them yet, but with uh, several other health systems. We also are working to uh, sign our first contract with a payer, which is a large payer that would be a big breakthrough for us because um, an element of that is reimbursing health systems for mm-hmm. using it. Oh, so that would be, I'm sorry, insurance company for yeah. those of us who don't. Yes, okay. right, an insurance okay. company. Okay, got it. So it would no longer be even a, really a cost consideration for a hospital to do the right thing. If Thank the payer's God. on yeah. board. Yeah, because there's a big payoff. You know, uh, we haven't t- talked about this yet, but like um, the economics are also really good of investing in your patient because if they're oh, yeah. a better patient, they save you money. In the case of, of babies, um, they go home sooner. If parents are more engaged in a competent way, you know, babies can hit their milestones like eating and parents are ready to go home sooner. Um, well, and they're less likely one. to be readmitted because that's a big yeah. payer insurance back end healthcare thing of reimbursement tied to readmission yeah. after discharge and that window as well. And more right. empowered parents are going to, when they take yeah. their baby home have better tools yeah, and knowledge. Sure. Absolutely. Across the country, readmission for NICU babies is above 25% in really? the first two weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah, <I laughs> yeah. That's that. a lot higher I than that. I expected. I now, feel like I wow. It I'm actually very surprised by that. That's A lot of it are parents who just are ill-equipped to be home. I but that's a knowledge like aspect too. Yeah. I personally feel the past year, especially with COVID, I will attest those numbers just because I feel like we're trying to get people out sooner, right? And I just think that we're being rushed at the bedside. I think there's a lot of things that, you know, contribute to that. But I believe those numbers. We've had, I mean, it, just in my one of my hospitals, I'm like, I feel like we've had a couple of those moments where we see them back within three or four days. And I don't think it's necessarily even a lack of education. I think it's just kind of what you're saying. It's like this mental block and parents, you know, you're going through the motions, you're doing all these things. But I think that mental block is almost like you kind of freeze up and you, you like the ability to retain things when people are verbally telling you, it's just, you don't always get it. And so I think being able to hand this them this tablet and be like, here is some breakdown of information. Maybe they absorb it a little better. It's all in one place. It's organized. I love your, the actual, um, what do you call the the visualization of it. What do you call that? The oh, um, data visualization. The interface. Yeah, the interface is really easy to work. It's very, very streamlined. I like. I love that. But I think, yeah, I, I believe those numbers. Well, reimbursement is also so much tied into the satisfaction scores that you mentioned too. And as someone who's worked <laughs> bedside, we've so much been coached on. These are the questions that 
you know, we don't score well in. And a lot of them do have to do with were you told about the medication before um, like giving it to your, were you educated on the medication? One of the questions is about pain and how often did they assess your pain? And sometimes like, is that one of the scores on your, like, is that tied into your vitals, what their pain score is? It is, yeah. And see, what a lot of parents don't know in the NICU, we're assessing their pain every two hours and we're charting it. But we don't always, if there's no pain, we don't necessarily mention that sometimes. I would kind of make it a point because I knew back end the questions of like things that parents were going to be asked about because I was all involved on the committees well, and stuff. We, but that's a big, they a big don't, push yeah. nationwide is to make sure that patients know that we're scoring for pain. But most pain people like one. don't know that. So you're going to call and give an update. You're not going to mention and your baby has no pain because it's kind of one of those well out of yeah. sight, out of mind. Right. So then when parents are asked like, did the nurse ever assess my baby's pain? It's like, no, because if you don't know, like, why would yeah, you why know? Would you have no it, right? idea sometimes that they're doing things that they're doing because if you're not, no, like verbalizing, I'm like, what is that word? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. If you're not verbalizing that you're doing something, you they have, parents aren't mind readers. It's like, you don't know half the things that they're charting or the, what they're actually doing if they're not mentioning it. So having access to information like that is making more empowered parents and more knowledgeable and that's going to improve their overall satisfaction so i don't know why any NICU would not not want want this tool well but having said that i think this kind of clues us into the question Mm -hmm. because i've met NICU teams who are afraid to use the word pain with parents and so when they saw the demo and said can we use a different word than pain do you use a different word can we can adjust it to again the culture but i think it yeah. I'm just bringing it up because, Tori, you're asking, like, how is this not already everywhere? I had the same question. Yeah. And when right. I was starting the company, I'm like, am I going to start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's already out. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's a slam dunk. Right. But culture is a big piece of it. Like, it's very, yeah, I think I think everyone who knows uh, clinicians knows people who are uncomfortable with a patient seeing what's in the chart. Yeah. Notes. Uh, and things like that. But I don't think, I think that is something we need to get away from in healthcare, yeah, too. Because... I think like, why should you not be able to see your own notes? Yeah. Like I actually just, they just updated the EHR for my. There are some social situations that I would, I, I don't think, you know, there are definitely some situations that shouldn't be in the sense of like, if it's, there's other things going on with mom or like addiction, you know, you've got some other social situations, but other than that, kind of a little bit, but should you not be able to see your own foster situations? Like there's, there's situations that there's I different, don't think like, there should be, but anyway, that's like getting into like, that's complex. social worker notes though. That's not actual, your medical chart. Your medical chart is going to be different from like a social worker note. Cause we make some notes, but anyway, continue, continue. But I, even then I actually, I lovingly disagree with you because I think that if it's your information, why should you not have access to your own information or your child's information? Even if it's a sensitive subject or it's whatever, it's still the reality of what's going on. And you have every right to see your own chart, I think, because mm-hmm. even looking at my own chart now, my doctor updates it and I've always been able to see, oh, my blood pressure, what do you do? But now I actually get to see the notes that he typed about me. And it's like, (laughs) I'm like iron deficient anemia. And it's like this obese. And I'm like, I'm obese because I'm a power lifter. I have a lot of muscle mass. So BMI does not work for me. Technically my weight, I'm obese, but I'm like, damn, this obese, iron deficient, premenopausal woman. And I was just like, 
in the first <laughs> sentence, like in stabbing. It's more like, like it's just like whoa, <laughs> self awareness. Here we wow. go. Wow, and I was like, all right, and I was like, okay, nothing that he said is technically wrong, although it hurt my feelings a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But I actually really liked getting to read my doctor's notes and plan of care, and I felt okay. Wait, so can I ask you? Yeah, is this an external app? No, this is now just through my Providence, like my chart. I don't know if they so updated. But my question going to is this only internal to hospital or is there an external app as well? Like, how does it work? It's currently at the bedside. So you'd be at okay. the hospital okay. um, and we're slated uh, early next year to be in addition to that available available on your own device so your phone oh cool like it's just a download it from See, the and app that's store kind of what i think would be so cool is just to be able to even like have little updates but yeah that's i mean this regardless also another question um uh, language wise how many languages do you guys is english two, two? english okay. and spanish okay um and we have several that are slated you know it's yeah, really yeah. driven by our next customers english and spanish are sort of obvious choices for the first right. two but um yeah there there's there's more on the way yeah no that's awesome okay i actually okay so let's say you're talking to emily in kansas or missouri or connecticut or wherever they are and she's working in the NICU and she's like oh my god i hear this episode i really i want to be able to get nico board into our unit like how would she go about doing that or he or she or whoever is listening to this uh well she can reach out to us uh on our website there's a contact me form um, she can get us uh, any other, you know, she could email us, Phil at Nicolette. She could hit us on social. And the next steps, uh, you know, it's a it's an enterprise purchase by the hospital. So we would need uh, clinical buy-in from the leadership. Right. Um, so, you know, chief nursing officer, our NICU director on the nursing side, uh, typically work with like medical directors and chief NICU uh, uh, right. clinical side. And then that's really the, the clinicians um, serve as the champions. The, and then from there, if it's a thumbs up, we want to do this, um, you know, we work with IT and legal and all that to get it done and then implement. Do you see this expanding into other populations besides NICU? Because my sister's a peds oncology nurse at the same hospital I work at, and I see how valuable that would be to that population or myself. I had my stepdad in the hospital in 2020 from July to December with COVID and me being an ICU nurse. I've never struggled so much in my life to get updates and information. And I felt so helpless because one, I have the ability to understand the information, but I couldn't even get access to it. And he couldn't talk. He was on BiPAP. Like he couldn't yeah. physically give me updates and he doesn't really, he wouldn't know what to, he wouldn't know to, what to anyway. tell, yeah. update me anyways. And I would spend two hours sometimes just trying to get on the phone with someone because it would be they're on break or they're in another patient's room or they're this and they're that and they would I'll call you back and they wouldn't call back and then I'd call and then I'd be like can I speak to the charge nurse and the charge nurse would just kind of go through the chart and answer my question but I've never been so frustrated as someone who works on the other side to be on this side to not have access to that information and I think going through this pandemic so many people with the visitor restrictions were in my shoes as well of just not being able to even get information about their family or loved one. And I just wanted simple things like, can I just even get vital signs or know what level of oxygen support he's on before I go to bed? And I'd be up sometimes till midnight just trying to get someone on the phone so I could at least get some numbers. And I just feel like this has the potential to revolutionize the entire yes. healthcare system. Me too. Like starting in the NICU, but I don't know. I just, in like big picture, I, agree. I feel like this could be 
in revolutionary. I think so too. That's us too. I mean, so we want to be in every yeah. aspect of healthcare. We look at like what we're doing is the same thing that Windows did for computing. Mm-hmm. You know, it made computers like a normal thing for normal people. You can, because of the interface, it's not ones and zeros, right? And so we're doing that with EHR data. And yes, the NICU is where we're starting, but we're, we're already working on expanding to other areas of the hospital for inpatient use. But we'll, we're going to go to outpatient and then wellness. And then that's our vision. It'll be huge. It'll be on everyone's phone, even if, it, even if you're totally healthy and you're just yeah. thinking about wellness and all of the sort of proactive things you can do uh, with your health. Why not um, be more informed so you can be more competent and confident in, in making decisions? Especially, I think, the education aspect, which was kind of where you even sparked all of this, too, is just feeling like you didn't have that yeah. access to it. So The NICU is interesting because it's, it's, I mean, we started there because that's who we are as people, as founders. But it's a great place to start because it's such a hard place to start. It's a complex day. I mean, it's an, it's an ICU. But it's a step down. It's also a rehab. It's all, but it's all in the same place. So we, in serving the NICU, we've built up sort of our our. And I and I mentioned earlier, like the diagnoses are so diverse. Right. It's it's kind of like a bunch of different units in one. So now to grow to other areas, we're cut out to do it because we've done like probably the hardest thing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah, say yeah. I think it'd be a lot harder to start <laughs> somewhere else and then be like, we want to get into NICU, and it's like, oh, you are going into yeah, the jungle. jungle. Big hole. <laughs> like you conquered the jungle first, and now you're expanding out into the Alice other in Wonderland civilized going areas. Down that hole. Yeah, the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. What's one of the best tips you can offer for all of your healthcare providers out there? I would say presence is a big word to think about a lot. So you're if you're a clinician, you are stretched and you you have a lot of things that you could be thinking about at any one moment, including while you're talking to families. And that's um, it's healthy to just take a minute and be present to first make observations. What are they not saying? But you can tell maybe there's something in there that they want to say. Pull it out as opposed to maybe not wanting to hear from them. And if they don't say anything, thumbs up, I can go. Because they probably want to say something. Mm-hmm. Two, um, taking, be present enough to sort of take what they say to really get inside of it and flesh it all the way out so that it's point A, point B, point C, all the way to the end, and you and they get what they needed. It's easy, like I was mentioning earlier, to box check. If someone says something to you, sort of go through a mental checklist and, and sort of uh, superficially meet what they're asking. There's a big difference in that and critically thinking through this and then getting all the way through and, and really understanding it. And um, I think you can still pull that off as a clinician and maybe a similar amount of time because you're, you know, you're, you're a pro, you've been doing this. If you're just present and focused on them, that same five minute interaction or 10 minute in a round can be way more productive by just being mindful and present and in that room and nowhere else at the moment. Mm, that's a really good tip. I love that. Me too. I, I love having, because so much of our listener base are people that work in healthcare and bringing on people who now, like you said, your business kind of is healthcare, but you were on the other side. And I think we can gain so much value from you by just taking those tips and actually like implementing them. Because you kind of mentioned like nurses, (laughs) especially because that's Tori and I, but we are kind of that. We're the ones that are there the majority of the time, and we make such a big impact on what someone's like a 
honestly, a good nurse really makes or breaks your day, your shift. Yeah. I'm not going to talk bad about nurses, but you probably had some that you were just like, this yeah. is not my favorite shift right now. And yeah. so I think just being able to genuinely hear some of that like honest feedback from you really impacts our yeah, for sure. profession. Huge. I also think it's really easy, and I know you've alluded to this a couple of times, Phil, that we are where a lot of us are overworked, right? It's like you're overburdened by X, Y, and Z. It's exhausting. We can become jaded, but I love episodes like this episode is like such a refresher for even, I know for Sam feels it too. I'm like, these are the moments that we need to hear. And these are the things, this, what you have created, especially coming from what you went through is so remarkable. And I think this is something that for me is like a refresher of like, oh yeah, like take that extra time and be that nurse and really dig into those moments. Like I think that's, this is going to be very valuable for a lot of our listeners, for all of us here today, because this is why you're doing what you're doing. And I think this is why we're doing what we're doing to marry this and to really help people that are going through. It's, it's tough out there. It's crazy. And healthcare, it's brutal. And the things that you went through, I cannot even imagine. I mean, the PTSD, we talk about this for parents. It's insane. And so just to hear this conversation, I think will help a lot of us just like kind of reset a little bit, you know, and just get back to like, oh, yeah, like, take that extra time. Be that be that nurse that you want someone to be for you. I'm really excited to honestly see the future growth of this. So other than obviously we have um, your Nicolette's coming out, but do you have any good tips or resources for everyone out there like a NICU a blog or something that you really like or you have looked into that you've liked for parents as well like any good tips or tricks or yeah so there's um, a, f- a friend of mine and uh, who I met through through the preemie experience um, has a newsletter called preemie world um, her name's Deb DeCinza they're out of Washington DC but it's published every month there's a version for parents and a version for uh, clinicians so oh, um, you can check that out uh, and, and it's a good really good starting place um, to sort of feel it's not too much and overwhelming. It's kind of, it's um, it gives you what you need to sort of form a foundation and feel like a competent, confident person if you're a parent. And then for clinicians, I think it does a good job of bridging whatever gap there might be in terms of like becoming partners in a relationship, you know, uh, with this baby. So that's, that's one, that's a really good resource um, for education, uh, kids health, kidshealth.org. Yeah, amazing. That's a great resource. I mean, there isn't everything, you know, um, but most things that you would encounter in a NICU, you can get some good education there. Uh, a lot of it visual. And the, there's a good chance that the hospital you're at partners with Kids Health and has their own version of it that you can access really easily. So those are like two really good tips. So like core issues like a PDA um, or other types of congenital heart issues, IVH. Uh, all the preemie stuff, Kids Health is a great place to go if you oh, get a diagnosis and you don't have, you know, you're not handed education at your hospital, like if it's a level three, like I was at, go to Kids Health and, and you'll get what you need, accredited, evidence-based, up-to-date education. Um, and then as far as community, personally, and I think for a lot of people, it was good to be, uh, I'll, I'll use the word friends, but at least get acquainted with the NICU parents that might be around or a community of NICU parents. To me, the best is local. Like, don't be, if if you have an opportunity, don't be shy about meeting a parent that's like next door or whatever, Um, because you have things in common that are going to be beneficial to you, both 
maybe medically, but like mostly like emotionally. And, and that can be really important. And if there is a counsel, like kind of get plugged into that however you can. And uh, a lot of times this comes from asking and sort of putting yourself out there, which can be scary, but I would advise. Thank you so much for coming here today and your time, especially coming down in person. It's like always a treat to get someone in studio. We love this. This was a good, very awesome experience. Oh, so fun. I'm, I'm in Long Beach, so this was no sweat. Oh, that's yeah. great. So You're fun. closer than I am. I'm I actually in Orange County. Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh, it's a bit of a drive for, for uh, Sam. Well, no, sir, thank you, Phil. This is, I, Sam and I genuinely mean this when we say this. I, this is something that I think is going to revolutionize I our can't whole wait entire to see the growth. Yeah. Like this is this is something that every hospital needs, every unit needs. I think every nurse, every provider, I think this is an easy buy-in to be honest. I'm like when can we can when can we get this implemented at both of my other hospitals? Yeah. Like ASAP. Can we get that please? That would be great. Yeah. So, yeah. um so for anyone listening, if you guys want to reach out, definitely reach out to Phil. What's the website that you guys are located at? Nicolette.com. We will link everything in the bio for you guys. Thank you so much, Phil, for coming today. Thank you guys. This was thank a blast. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. Well, Phil is amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Phil, for taking the time to come on today. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and definitely use them and and the company that he has created as a resource. Definitely head over to check out Nicolette.com. And if it is something that's doable for you and your unit, definitely try and um, get it implemented for all of your patients as well. And hopefully down the line, they'll be helping thousands and thousands and thousands of more parents. Yeah, I really hope to see this in way more hospital systems. Mm -hmm. Same, same. And thank you so much, you guys, for listening. As always, make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. You can find all of our sponsors and our partners linked there in the bio. All the goodies there for you. Our merch. And also, as always, if you leave a review, drop your Instagram handle in it. We will be sending you off some free swag, some stickers. We have new badge reels that are coming in. So Mm -hmm. stay tuned. But yeah, head over to... Apple Podcast, drop a review. Yeah. Love you for that. We also just want to say thank you. We got a couple of really amazing reviews this week. And Sam and I just want to thank you every single Whoever one. Whoever called me a bad bitch, I love you. <laughs> like honestly. There was some pretty funny ones not, in there. Not that I like want to print that and put it on my fridge. Like but, we're gonna frame I mean, this. Honestly, that one I was like, I know. Oh my god, someone called me a bad bitch. <laughs> they just oh, oh my god. Tear up, tear up. I was like, these allergies right now are <laughs> out of control. So thank you so much, you guys, and make sure you're following us on our insta that's at nurse tori and at hey samantha with two a's and honestly this these new bonus episodes are so much fun so come pop a little champs with us Mm -hmm. and enjoy yes can't wait to see you there bye you guys bye